to drink and go to start drinking of the well of salvation, of the joy of the Lord, the presence of God, the peace that passes all understanding. You can take a drink. Oh, Jesus, look at some of you this morning. Look like some of you need a good stiff one. Come on, somebody. I've got to I've got to move on. Listen, we're blessed. Well, Pastor, don't you know what the United States and the economy is? Well, yes, I do. I'm not dumb. Well, don't you know who's running for government? Yes, I do. I'm not blind. Don't you know if this doesn't happen, that's going to take place. Or if that takes place, this is going to happen. Listen, I'm not, I'm not oblivious to the stuff. But listen, the problem is too many times we're allowing the stuff to determine. Come on. That's why the old writer, we started saying, we started, well, at least we, we didn't sing it, but we started saying it. There ain't no grave going to hold me down. I remember, I remember an old song. In fact, I just heard it just the other night, and I just, I, I love some of the old stuff I really just love, and I've got to be careful because it's already, my time's going to get away from me, but I, it, it, it was, uh, what? A friend we have in Jesus, all our griefs and pains to bear. What a fellowship! Come on, somebody, have it. Everything to God in prayer. How many of you realize that you've got somebody you could take it to? Come on, one more time in this house. Would you just lift up your hand and tell Him you love Him? Come on, somebody tell Jesus you love Him in this place. We bless you this morning, Father, for your grace. Father, thank you so much for your presence in this house. And Lord, we receive your joy. We receive your peace. And now, Lord, we receive your word. We receive your word to strengthen us, to encourage us, to, to enliven our spirits. That we may face not just this week. But, Father, we may face every circumstance of the week, and we're going to face it with joy. Because we know our God, our Jesus, the Holy Ghost, rules and reigns in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say one more time, Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Listen, I'm going to try to get through this today. And I, I'm not going to promise you, if we don't get through it, we'll just start something new next week. But uh, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here. He's, he's here to give joy. He's here to give peace. He's here to give love. He's here to give your, the grace you need. Whatever, whatever it was you came in. Listen, I, I'm sorry. I was going to try to read my text. But whatever you came in this house needing, the Bible says that all you got to do is come in and He'll meet you right where you are. So whatever it was that you came in the house needing, you don't have to leave carrying the same baggage you walked in with. You know, I like it. There's, there's, a, there's an example in the, in the New Testament where the apostle Paul, he was, he was gathering sticks for a fire. He'd just been shipwrecked. Now, I don't have time to go through all that, but he's gathering sticks for a fire. He'd just been shipwrecked and gets up onto the beach and he's gathering these sticks and out of the sticks jumps this snake. Now, number one, I hate snakes. God could have left them off of the creation list and it would not have bothered me a bit. 
Well, maybe that and stink bugs. I'm not crazy about those either. There's some spiders I would, I would be okay if he wouldn't have done either. But, you know, let's, let's get back to the snake. But anyway, the snake jumps out and attaches. The Bible says it attached itself to Paul. You know what that means? It doesn't mean it just bit. It meant it bit and hung on. So now when you lift up, you've got this slimy, nasty, coily, ugly, gross snake hanging off his arm. Come on. I hope you're getting a picture of this. Do you know what that man did? He didn't get freaked out. He didn't get all stressed. He didn't go... Wonderful. I asked, I called the prayer line. Nobody called, nobody prayed ahead and interceded that I wouldn't have no snake bites. What he did was he just... Listen, I don't know what you came in with attached to you this morning. There's been enough of a fire that's been built in this house through praise and worship that all you're going to have to do is just begin to shake it off a little bit. Oh, see, I'm, about to, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my time, but I'm trying to get somebody right now. You're just going to have to shake a little bit. You say, well, that's just ridiculous. I understand it does look ridiculous, doesn't it? To the natural mind, for us to do something in the spirit looks stupid because the natural mind and the spiritual are enmity against each other. That means they war against each other. By the time I want to do right, my natural mind, or my natural mind and my natural flesh tries to rise up and tell me, don't do that. That's going to look stupid. Don't say that. That's going to sound stupid. Don't go there. That's going to be dumb. But what you've got to understand is there are times that you've got to override that natural mind and say, listen, I'm just going to shake it, whatever it is, whether it's a husband, whether it's a woman, whether it's a child, whether it's a bill, whether it's a health, come on somebody, whether it's a health issue, whatever you came in this house, you might need to shake, shake it off. Listen, why don't you just do it? I mean, I know, but... I, see, I say stuff, and to me it just means nothing, but I say stuff, and then after church, I go, people go, do you know what that means when you say that? Well, I can't help sometimes that you all change the words. <laughs> sometimes you change the word, but some, you know, if you got to do it on the down low, I know if that means something different now. But anyway, to me it means kind of down here. All right, if you got to shake it down here, go ahead, just shake it there for a minute. Come on, just shake it there for a minute. Go ahead and shake it there for a minute if you got to. You know, if he's sitting right next to you, go ahead and shake it on him instead. Come on, shake it just a little bit. Now, 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 now why don't you just go ahead and shake it like about half what, half mast? I realize it's not, you know, everybody's not going to see you because they're, they're already feeling silly about themselves. But then, you know, some of you ought to just go ahead and say, you know, I've made a fool of myself already. I'm just going to shake it in Jesus' name. And say, let it go! Now, come on, I want you to look at someone, I want you to prophesy over them. You ready for this? I want you to look at them straight now, I want you to prophesy, say, freedom in Jesus' name. Come on, say it, freedom in Jesus' name. Come on, say it again, freedom in Jesus' name. Come on, one more time, say, freedom in Jesus' name. All right. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Father God, for your freedom, your grace, your mercy, your goodness. Listen, I think you ought to come to church. And before you leave, you ought to feel a little bit better than when you came. Amen? Amen. This is, the, this is the time to be refreshed, but it's also the time that we come together. We're going to lay some junk down. Listen, if you got, listen, I'm about to say something else and I was going to get in trouble. If you're carrying junk in the trunk, you need to unload the trunk. Just unload. And say, God, I can't carry this mess no more. I'm not going to carry the mess. I'm going to be blessed. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to move on. unless, If the Holy Ghost will let me, I'm going to take you to the book of Philippians, the third chapter again this morning. We're going to finish up, I think. Or at least I'm going, to, I'm going to finish up. Whether we get all the way through it, we don't know. But I'm going to finish up this morning on this series of ministry that we've been doing over the last two weeks. This is week number three. In a subject entitled, This is What I Do. This is what I do. Everybody say that with me. Ready? This is what I do. One more time. Say it with me. Ready? This is what I do. The Bible says in Philippians, the third chapter, verse 13 through the 14th. I'm reading out of God's Word translation. It says, Brothers and sisters, I can't consider myself a winner yet. But this is what I do. I don't look back. I lengthen my stride. And I run straight toward the goal to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers in Christ Jesus. Listen, that was Paul's, this is what I do, goal in life. Of everything he could have done, everything he was doing, everything that ever other people wanted him to do, he said, this is what I do. I'm going to lengthen my stride. I'm not going to keep looking over my shoulder at my woulda, coulda, shouldas. I'm not going to look at my mistakes. I'm not going to look at all the detractors and all the critics of my life and every decision I've ever made in life. I'm going to run straight forward. I'm going to lengthen my stride. I'm going to run towards the goal that Jesus has for me personally in heaven above. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, this should be our goal too. This should be a this-is-what-I-do goal in our lives. Week number one, we talked about one of the things that we do. This is what I do. Number one, we said we do life. In fact, we said it this way. The Christian life can be enjoyed and not just endured. How many of you know some folk that as Christians, they are just hanging on waiting, hopefully, one day, maybe, by the grace of God, they'll get out of here and go to heaven. Now, the problem with that is the journey is as important as the destination. Are you listening to me? Where you are right now is as important about as where you're going, because on the journey, you get the opportunity to touch somebody for Jesus Christ. I would hate to stand before God on the day of judgment and, and I'm standing there and, and Jesus is standing beside me and God said, Did you enjoy all of the blessings I gave you? And I said, No. I hated life. I despised having to be in that body. I just hated having to go up every morning and take a breath. I hated the smell of flowers. 
the laughter of children. Listen to me, what I'm trying to tell you is that God has blessed you. You ought to go ahead and enjoy life. Do life. Do life. We talked about that, and you can go to the podcast and you can get all that off of the website. You can listen to that week. But then week two, we talked about what's the second thing we're going to do. We're going to do, number two, real. We talked about being real. That, that being real was not, an exa- it was not the opportunity for us to get sloppy and go live in sin. Come on, come on. If you think being real means that you get to get, become nasty and ugly with the folk around you because you're keeping it real, no, you missed the point. You're missing the point. Being real means having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and living for Him. I do, I do life and I do real. But today I want to finish this up by saying this, this final one. And today we want to continue. This is what I do. I'm going to tell you that what I do, what we ought to do as a goal in our life is I do Jesus. I do Jesus. Let me, let me tell you a little story. There's a, I read this and I, I just really loved it. There was a theological college that invited a non-believing or atheistic professor to come and lecture at one of their meetings. You say, well, if they're a theological college, why would they invite a non-believing, atheistic lecturer? Well, they wanted to have just that opposite opinion. And so what they did was they invited this lecturer, this guest lecturer, come in. He spoke for about two hours, and in that time, he quoted book after book, scholar after scholar, and reason after reason, why he believed that the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead was not a... It was, it was not a real thing that ever happened. It was simply something that was not true. It could not be proven historically. Uh, theoretically, it was impossible. And so he concluded that the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ was something that was not true. And that meant the religious tradition of the church that's built upon a relationship with a risen Savior was just all religious mumbo-jumbo. Well, after he got done talking, and about two hours later, he, 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 he simply stopped and he said, Now, are there any questions? Well, there was an old pastor, an older minister that stood up in the back of the auditorium, and he said, Yes, sir, I have one question. He reached into his sack lunch that he had brought in with him, and he took out an apple and took a bite. And he said, Now, Mr. Lecturer, I, I can't quote all of the books that you have quoted took another bite. He said, and I don't know a lot of those people that you said that you were were quoting from or that you knew. I don't know them. He took another bite. He said, I'm not sure about all of some of the statistics and some of the things that you, you have reported on. He took another bite, finished up his apple. He said, but my question is just this one simple thing. Was this apple that I just ate, was it sweet Or was it sour? Well, the lecturer looked at him and said, Well, sir, I can't possibly know that answer because I didn't taste your apple. The old pastor dropped his apple core in the bag, rolled it up, put it in his seat, and he said, Sir, and neither have you tasted my Jesus. What I'm trying to tell you is this. It's all about Jesus. It's going to be all about Him this morning. It's going to be all about Him this, this evening. Tomorrow morning and every evening and every morning to come, it is all about Jesus Christ. 
And if we're going to do life, if we're going to do real, then we've got to do Jesus. Let me, let me show you this in, in, in 2 Corinthians, the 4th chapter, the 5th verse. Paul said it this way, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. See, this was Paul's text. This was his message. This was his reason for preaching, his reason for doing, his reason for being alive. This was his, this is what I do go. We preach Jesus Christ the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, that's well and good, and I appreciate that. And yes, I'm going to say yes, we do Jesus. But how do we do Jesus? Well, let me, let me, let me help you with that, because it has to start. If we're going to do Jesus in this present generation, what we need to do is, number one, we need to begin to remember and live by this, that number one, Jesus was and is and always will be. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? This is the why. This is the why we do Jesus. Because He was, and He is, and He always will be. He's preeminent. He's unsurpassed. He's everything. He is all in all. Great God. Revelation says it this way in the 22nd verse, or 22nd chapter. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The first... And the last, John 1, 1 says it this way, the Word was first, the Word was God. In verse 3 and 5 of that same chapter, it says, everything was created through Him. Nothing, oh, come on somebody, not one thing came into being without Him. And what came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life and the light blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. Thank you, Jesus. In verse 14, he goes on and says, the Word became flesh and blood, and I like this. He moved into the neighborhood with us. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. It's all about Jesus. This message, this relationship, this thing we call church, this thing we call Christianity is all about Jesus. Dear Pastor, what are you trying to give me? Well, Colossians says it this way. In the first chapter, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, watch this, and in Him all things hold together. Great God. This is all about Him. This is all about Him, church. This is not, oh, help me, I'm about to get me. This is not about you having a just, a just another blessing. It's not just about you having a better bank account. It's not about you just having this or that in this life. This is all about Him. Jesus Christ. This is who we preach. This is who we praise. This is who we have joy from. This is our peace. This is our relationship. It is all about Him. Great Lord Jesus. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know what you're trying to say. Well, I'm trying to tell you that He's first. He's last. He's the beginning and the end. He's creator and keeper of all creation. He's the architect of the universe and manager of all times. Listen, He always was and always is and always will be. He's unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. He was bruised. But he brought healing. He was pierced, but he eased our pain. He was persecuted and brought forth our freedom. He, the world can't explain him. Armies can't defeat him. Schools cannot explain him. Oh, and one of these days, every leader on the earth, every leader that's ever been and ever will be, can't ignore him. I'm trying to tell somebody that Herod tried to kill him but couldn't. 
Pharisees tried to confuse him, but he was too smart. <laughs> Woo! I'm about to preach myself happy whether anybody comes with me. Listen, religious people couldn't hold him. New age cannot replace him. Modern society can't explain him. He is light, he is love, he is longevity, and he is Lord. He is holy, he is righteous, he is mighty, he is powerful, and he is pure. His ways are right, his word is eternal, his will is unchanging, and his mind is always upon me. Pastor, what do you do? I'm trying to tell somebody it's all about him. I'm trying to tell you it is all about him. Listen, when I'm hurt, he's the one who heals me. When I'm broken, he's the one who mends me. When I'm, when I'm blind, he's the one who leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he's with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. Great God, it's all about him. When I face death, one day, he is the one that's going to carry me home. Listen to me, church. This life, this eternity, this past, present, and future is all about Him. You say, well, Pastor, why is that so important? Because when we understand that Jesus was and is and always will be, that's when we can put Him in the right place in our lives, the number one place. Listen to me. There has never been another deity. There has never been another one. That can claim the preeminence that Jesus Christ can claim. He is. He was. And He always will be. Listen to me, sweetheart. I'm not trying to get up in your business and I'm not trying to, trying to get anybody's religion. But I'm going to tell you that Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Scary Harry, I mean Harry Krishna, is dead. Come on, I'm trying to tell you that a lot of the leaders that have been around the world, a lot of the imams and a lot of those people, they are dead or they're dying. Come on, somebody. But there is one by the name of Jesus Christ who was dead, but now he is alive and he lives forevermore. It's all about him. He was and is. See, no other God can claim that distinction. He's the only one that can claim it. And the only one that deserves that position in your life. The number one. See, Paul used the term firstborn there in Colossians, which it doesn't refer to time, but it refers to status, because firstborn means of first importance or of first rank. So Paul was trying to make it clear that Jesus was begotten. He was not made. He was before creation, and by Him all of creation itself holds itself together. I don't know if you've ever seen, I almost wish I would have put the picture up there, but how many of you have ever seen in Alaska where, where the salt water and the clear water, or the, 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 the non-salt water, fresh, thank you, fresh, where the salt water and fresh water come together and they will not mix? Why does that happen? Because I can tell you, if somebody puts salt in my water this afternoon and I'm trying to take a drink, it will mix. Anybody in the house? You're in the house. You say, oh, no, Pastor, it's just salt and water don't mix. Oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead, take your big swig. Why does it not mix? Because the one who holds all things at one point told it how far to go. said, you go there and don't you go no more. And so it goes. Listen, 
I'm reminded of a story I was listening to one time on television. There was a guide who took a group of people through an atomic laboratory. Now, this is where they were, they were, they were trying to tell everybody about uh, matter and how that matter was, was mostly made up of rapidly moving particles. All of these rapidly moving particles. But, at the same time, they said, now listen, what we want you to understand is that much of matter is empty. It's empty. One of the people said, well, listen, I've got a question. If you have all of these rapidly moving particles, how come they don't just go everywhere? And the group leader said, no one has a real good explanation for that one. Listen to me, beloved. We do. I got your explanation. I got your explanation right there in the world. It says that He holds everything together. Great God. It's no wonder that the winds and the waves obeyed Him when He talked. He's the one who created them. Listen, I, I just, I kind of, you know, I don't mean to be tried and I don't mean to be silly, but, you know, it's, I, I, can, I can just see him out there on the lake and, and the wind started raising up and the waves and all of the storm and everything and he caught up and he said, I don't know if he did this, but I, I just like the way, I like to think it this way. He stood up on the deck of that boat and he said, who's your daddy? And the wind? Yes, sir. He was. He is. Always will be. Great God, help me, Jesus. See, if we remember that it's all about Him, that He always was and is and always will be, then now all we do is we can put Him in the right place in our lives, the number one place. So listen, we do Jesus. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, why do we do Him? Because He's number one. And let me give you this one very quickly. Because He Himself is real life. Everybody say real life. We talk about that a lot, you know, but let me, under, let, me, let me make sure you understand this. How many of you understand that we were created by Him and for Him? We were created by Him and for Him. So that means, listen to me, listen to me, sweetheart. Real life does not just involve you being happy. Hey, Pastor, you just said we're blessed and God wants us to say, yes, He wants you happy, but it's not, that's not all the picture. You weren't created just to have a good time. You were created for Him and by Him. Everybody say for Him. Everybody say by Him. So a real life is a life that's found in and through Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says in Revelation, the fourth chapter, the eleventh verse. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, for Thou hast created all things. Everybody say all things. How many are there out there beyond all things? Everybody say, there's nothing beyond all things. So He has created all things, watch this, and for thy pleasure, the word pleasure means we desire His choice and His purpose, they are and were created. Now listen, listen. Think with me just a minute. What was His desire? What was His choice? What was His purpose? Why did He create you? Why did He create Adam and Eve? He just want a bald head? Did he just want a little overweight? Did he want magnificent just you? 
Now, let me tell you what he was creating when he created. He was creating a family. He wanted a family. So listen. You say, Pastor, what's real life? Real life is really living in his family. It's having a real relationship with him. See, some of you, some of you what you don't understand is real life is being in a relationship with him of service and love. Let me show you this in Galatia, or in Genesis one. Let me show you this real quick. Genesis one verse twenty seven twenty eight says this. So God, everybody, God, say God. God created man in His. Everybody say His. His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them, and God blessed them. Listen, I told you this a little bit last week, but everything that God created, He simply spoke, and it was. But when it came to us, when it came to you, when it came to us, His family, when it came to us, His children, He reached into the earth. The Bible says He reached into the dirt. He reached into the terra firma. And He created us, drew us out with His own hand, in His own image. Nothing else bears the signia of God like you. See, that was the relationship he wanted. He wanted a familial, family relationship where we were formed and fashioned in his likeness. Listen, when we were younger, and even, even now, people have told me, you couldn't not accept as your son... Your son. He looks too much like you. Now, he acts like his mama. But, but he looks like me. Why is that? Because he was made in the image. Great Lord Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, You looking at me? Say, You looking at God. Why do you think... Oh, help me, Jesus. Here's where I get in trouble. Why do you think the devil hates you so much? Because you, when he sees you, you remind him of God. He looks at you and sees G-O-D. He doesn't see G-I, or J-I-M. He sees G-O-D. And it just ticks him off. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you looking at me? You looking at God. Now listen, so this is what God was wanting. This is what God was creating. He was creating a family. Now, I, I, listen, I, I, I've got a hurry here, but listen. Anything, here's where we get a little sticky, so you just hang on for a minute. Anything outside of that relationship and that reflection is existence, it's survival, it's endurance, and maybe it's a way of life, but it's not real life. You can get high, you can get stoned, you can, you can do everything you want to do. You can go on every trip, you can go to every continent in the, uh, on the planet. You can enjoy every pleasure there is to this life. You can enjoy and see and reflect and all, oh, it's just this, oh my goodness, and that, oh goodness. You can experience everything that you can experience, but if you are not 
in that relationship and that reflection, you're not really living yet. I don't care. Well, you can't say that. You've never done it all. No, listen to me. What I know is that what something is created for is when it's at its highest peak, when it's being used for that. Let me, let me put it to you this way. How many of you have ever taken a hammer and used it to dig a hole? Oh, come on. Somebody's there. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I have been in a place where I didn't have a shovel. Didn't have one. I needed a hole. I need a hole in the earth. I had no shovel with me, but I had a hammer. I had a hammer. I dig in the dirt. No, no. no. I had a hammer. Now, let me, can I tell you what? You can dig a hole in the dirt with a hammer. What mother's created for, but you can do it. In fact, let me put it this way. How many of you have ever had to nail a nail with a pair of pliers? See, you're all as redneck as I am. And you'll laugh at me, and you, you laugh at my redneck hillbilly ways, and some of you out there hammer nails with screwdrivers and, and pairs of pliers and digging holes with hammers. We are jacked up, I'm telling you. Come on. Now, you can do it, can't you? You can, you can, hammer, a, you can hammer a nail with a screwdriver. With a pair of pliers. What was created for? But you can. You know the problem with it is? You miss a whole lot more than you make. Listen, let's just go there, girls. Let's just go there. You can use the God-given attributes of your body to attract a no-good loser who will use and abuse you and you can attract him on what you was created for. But you can use what you got. You can wear it up to here or down to there. You can pump it and do everything else you want to do with it. Push it and pump it and everything. I don't care, man. You can do it. You can attract something. Come on. I've attracted some nasty looking fish with some ugly bait. You can use it, girl. No. Come on. You want to go there, boys? Let's go there. You can use what God gave you to... to Procreate. Whole lot of babies. Don't make you no daddy. You ain't no daddy. You a donor. Because that's not what you were created for. You know what you were created for? We were created to be in a relationship with God. To be part of the family. To be in a covenant with Him. To be connected. Because that is real living. It's what we were created for. 
It's what we were created for. Jesus said it this way in John, the 14th chapter, the 9th verse. He that has seen me has seen the Father. See, this is why we do Jesus, because He was and is a picture of the Father, just like God wants us to be. Listen, what I'm trying to tell somebody is you can live the rest of your life without Jesus, but that does not mean that you are living. Because real living is living with Him and for Him and through Him. Real living is being a picture or being the image or being the reflection of Him to everyone that's around you. This is why we do Jesus. This is why we do Jesus. Because He was and is and always will be because He is real life. Let me finish this up with this. And it's simply we do Jesus because we can be His stars. And I say star. Say this with me. I'm going to be a star. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I know that can sound kind of cliche-ish. But let me explain what I'm talking about. Because in the Bible, there's there's a man in the Old Testament by the name of Abraham who was a very special man. He had a special covenant with God. And at one point, the Bible says that even before Calvary and the blessing of grace, Abraham was living a real life in a real relationship with God the Father. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Abraham did a lot of things wrong. He had a lot of mistakes. He did a lot of things that he shouldn't have done. He even sinned several times and missed the mark. But he had a heart and a love for God. And he was special with God. The Bible says this about his faith and his love. God told Abraham in Genesis, the 22nd chapter, you ready? He said, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. See, what God did was he told Abraham, I'm going to bless your descendants so much, they're going to be stars. They're going to be stars. You say, well, Pastor, that's, that's the Israelite nation. No, in Galatians, the third chapter, the 29th verse, it says this. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are a star. Look at somebody and say, you're a star. Come on, turn again to the person next to you, the other person. They didn't respond, so go to somebody else and say, you're a star. They say, what in the world are you talking about? Let me use an acrostic to show what we are. You ready for this? This is why we do Jesus. You ready? Say, I'm a star. Let me use an acrostic of this. A star is a shining testimony about a relationship with the Savior. I am a testimony. This is what doing Jesus is all about. This is what it's all about. It's being a witness. It's being a light on the hill. It's being salt that seasons the world around us. It's being Jesus to everyone around us. It's being a shining testimony about a real relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen. In these days, which I believe are some of the last days, I want to be a star. Well, you're going to stack up on yourself. No, 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 no. You didn't catch it. I want to be a shining testimony about a relationship with the Savior. I want to be a star. I want this church to be filled with stars. <laughs> I want, when, when the lights go out, BWC is glowing in the community. Great God in heaven above. Why were you talking? I just saw it. As the light starts going down, dimmer and dimmer, there's going to be a fire that begins to burn brighter and brighter. And the stars, sure, I can't see, are going to begin to shine. 
How many of you know that the stars are out there when it's daylight? You just can't see them. You just can't see them. In fact, if you were to walk outside right now, don't do it, I ain't done. But if you were, you could look up into the heavens and the stars would be there. You just couldn't see them right now. You know when they come and they shine the greatest? When everything starts getting a little dark. Then you see that starlight, star bright. First star in Richmond I see tonight. Come on. Come on. This is what God just showed me in the Spirit. He said, listen, I'm going to start making your people stars. Now that's place. I don't care what you say. Well, I do, but I don't. I love you. I just don't care what you... I don't care about your criticism. I don't care about your... Well... Jesus Christ could come into this house and preach to you, some of you folks and you'd go, hermeneutically, it wasn't that great. I didn't care for how much he sweats. Jesus sweats a lot under these lights too. I didn't care for his analogy. Listen, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. He's going to make some stars. In fact, let me take you to a scripture and show this to you in Daniel, the 12th chapter. I had this one. He said, those who are wise will shine like the brightness on the horizon. <laughs> those who lead many people to righteousness. Oh, come on now. Will shine like the stars forever and ever. This is what I do. You ready? I do life. I live. I, I, I learn and laugh today. And I, you know, come on. Sometimes I just lighten up. Come on. Just kind of poke somebody in town and say, you need to lighten up every once in a while. Because if your life is all serious, you're missing an awesome opportunity to laugh at yourself. Come on, some of you ought to go ahead and laugh at yourself. Everybody else is. Might as well join the party. Say this with me. Say, I do life. But I don't just stop at life. I do real. I, I have a real relationship with Jesus. I get honest and open with Him and I tell Him how I feel. I ask Him to show me the bigger picture. And I trust Him. I trust His love even when I don't understand His plan. Say, I do life. Say, I do real. But let me finish this. I do Jesus. <laughs> I become a star. I become a star. A shining testimony about a relationship with the Savior. Come on, say this with me. I want you to say it one time. Say, I will be a star.